The following sermon was preached at Selma Community Church, a church in Jefferson City that exists to build communities of transformed disciples who live for the glory of God by connecting people to Christ and community. For more information, you can find it at www.somajc.org. Well, peace be with you. It is good that you guys are here. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Uh, this week, we finish our summer series. We planned out that we finish our summer series in Psalms, and uh, we're going to look through uh, a prayer that is not only dangerous, but honestly a little bit crazy. I figured for those of you guys that are returning and you haven't been here all summer, I, I might as well start you off the year with a crazy prayer. As we get into the school year, I know you guys have prayers, and so I wanted to give you something that was honestly a little bit ludicrous to pray. Uh, and, and here's why it's ludicrous, because if you actually pray it with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you let God actually use you in this way, it, it's going to change you. And so I'll, I'll just put a disclaimer out there right now. Don't pray this if you're not serious, okay? If you're not serious about your faith, don't, if, you, if you're still playing with your faith, or maybe you're trying to figure things out, or you're not really sure where you are with Jesus, or maybe you're kind of new to the faith, don't pray it. But if you're, if you're in this and you're like, I want to live my life for Christ in every in shape and fashion, nook and cranny, every way I can, I dare you to pray this prayer. I, here's, what, here's what I want you to imagine. Just for a moment, because we've been, spent our summer in the Psalms. And, and so I want you to imagine David, the guy that wrote a lot of the Psalms. King David, uh, um, he, he, God calls you a man after his own heart, a woman after his own heart. And, and you're also an immensely prideful person like David. You're an immensely prideful person. And you're guilty of causing thousands of deaths because of your pride. Because you trusted your army instead of God. I- imagine that you, can, you committed adultery, murder, you covered all that up in the most scandalous of way, and it seems like the very last thing on your mind is to ask God to search you. Honestly, that seems like a prayer that would be both dangerous and crazy. I mean, if you were that kind of person, would you really, like honestly, would you really want God to look at every detail of your life? Would you really ask God to look at every nook and cranny in every closet, all the locked doors, the things that nobody knows about when nobody's around, those things? Would you ask God to actually look at that? Because I want you to look at your own life, not David's, your life. You know, your life. Not the one I know about, not the one your friends know about your life. I want you to think about it and ask yourself, is that a prayer that you're willing to pray? Are you willing to open your life to God's scrutiny? As you walk into a new year, new school year, a fall, all these things, are you willing to uncover your deepest, darkest secrets? For some of you guys, the answer is no. Some of us, most of us, if we're going to be honest, the answer is, I don't know about all this, pastor. And that's fair. That's fair. I want to ask you that because that's what David did. Matter of fact, what I want you to do, if you don't have a Bible, grab one that's next to you, or you can get on your phone and look at one. But uh, go ahead and meet me in Psalm 139. Psalm 139 as we finish the series. And and although I'm referring to other parts of the Psalms this morning, we're going to focus just on two verses. Just two verses. That's all we're focusing on today. Those that know me should be saying, yay! Those that don't, you'll figure it out soon. But two verses is all we're going to focus on today. And once you find Psalm 139, it's in the middle of the Bible, uh, verses 23 and 24, I'm going to ask you to stand in the honor and reading of God's word. I'm going to do something a little different today. As you stand in the honor and reading of God's word, the uh, words will be up on the screen. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask you to look up at the screen with me, just so we can all read the same words and read it with me. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me in my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. King David wrote these thoughts. If I were to sink everything I have to say today up, I would say this. I need, and I think you need, to pray search me. Because you've got blind spots. I need, and I think you need, to pray search me because you have blind spots, and so do I. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that you give us the opportunity, even by the example of King David, to say, search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Father, try my thoughts. Try my actions. Try my hidden ways. And see if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus, I thank you so much that you would do that. That you would search my heart and my soul, my mind. That you would search me and bring me to you. Father, I ask today that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, my strength and my redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone who agrees would say, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Before we look at this prayer in more detail, before we look at this prayer, let me just say this. This is why we need to pray this prayer. This is why we need to pray this prayer. I need to pray. I'll, just, I'll, I'll put it on me. I won't put it on you because, you know, maybe you don't know me like that. So I'll put it on me. I need, I need to pray search me because I have blind spots. I need to pray search me. For the most part, for the most part, most of us are good at seeing the sin in other people's life. I, I'm real good about that. I don't know about you. I, I, got, I have a special ability. When you sin, I can see it immediately, right? I'm real good about that. But a lot of times I can't see it in myself. I can't see my own sin, and that's because we all have blind spots. We've all been in that place. There are actually four different elements to prayer. When you ask somebody to search me, and each element of prayer is useful to helping us identify those blind spots and for God to help us to identify those places about them. And so here's what I ask you to do. These are the notes. If you want to take notes, these are the notes. These are the four elements I want you to write down today so you can understand how God can search you. And I'm telling you, if you are serious about your faith, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer today to say, God, search me. If you want to write these down, the first one is this. Search my heart. Everybody say, search my heart. Okay, we got a little bit more energy than that. Let's try that again. Search my heart. I know some of y'all are kind of scared about this prayer, so that's okay. So search my heart, right? Search my heart, oh God. Why do you think David would ask God to search his heart? I mean, again, we just did his rap sheet, right? Adultery, murder, thousands of people's blood on his hands, ran a whole army out instead of trusting God. Did every, had so much blood on his hand, God said, hey, when it comes to this building temple, how about nah? You don't get to do it. Like, that's how bad he was. It was horrific what he did. But yet David acknowledges that God has already searched him. And and much of the psalm has been focusing on the fact that God already knew David's heart. He already knew David's heart. So David is not asking God to search his heart for God's benefit, but his own. He's saying, search my heart so that I can know my heart. I, I need to know me because it seems like you know something about me I don't know. It's one thing to know and even acknowledge that God knows everything about me. We all do that. Oh, Jesus knows me. I always love that little cop out when it comes to sin. Jesus knows my heart. God knows my heart, right? That's what we say down here. God knows my heart. 
But, but it's another thing altogether to let us bring, uh, to ask God to bring things to my attention. To say, hey, God, expose me. You see, that's where it gets dangerous. When I say, God, bring it to my attention, that's why this is a dangerous prayer. We're asking God to reveal to us some things that, frankly, we'd rather not see. So what exactly is is David asking for here? You see, in the Old Testament, the word translated heart is used to describe a person's inner being. It's the seat of your mind. It's your will, your emotions. And so David is asking God to go beneath the surface to dig deep inside his life. You know the parts that we don't tell nobody about? That's the part he's talking about. He said, dig into that, God. Dig into those parts. The verb search is a military term describing a scouting out of a territory. That's when you got to walk through terrain nobody else has gone through. That's digging for truth. That's going out there and seeing there's where nobody else is. It's asking God to look at the recesses of your heart and reveal the secret stuff hiding there. You know, the stuff below the stuff. The reason behind the reason. It's digging into that. And I know some of you are probably thinking right now, why on God's green earth would I ask him to do that? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Some of you are probably even saying, I got a good heart. In fact, people often tell me that. People always, always tell me, well, I got a good heart, Pastor. So I'm good. God knows my heart. I'm okay. And if you're thinking that, let me tell you what the Bible tells you about your heart. This is, you can get mad at me if you want, but this is what the Bible says. I'm going to put it on the screen so you can read it for yourself. There's even an address so you can look it up in case you think I'm lying, okay? The Bible says this. Go ahead and read the verse out loud with me. Go ahead and say it with me. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Okay, that's the Bible. You can get mad at me if you want. People do all the time. But that's what the Bible says about your heart and mine. So, you know, when you tell me you got a good heart, that's what I think of every single time. That's your heart and mine. But God knows my heart. You're right, he does. And he knows it's desperately sick above everything. Who can understand it? That's what he knows. That's what he said about it. You might think, well, I have a good heart, but God says your heart is deceitful. Ugh. I wonder which one's right. That's why we all have blind spots. That's why all of us have blind spots. He also knows that it's desperately sick. The adjective translated sick here literally means incurable. Just for some encouragement this morning. So that means you can't find or remove those blind spots on your own. You can't do it on your own. If you could, you would have done it. You need God to help you with that. And that's the first step in the process to identify those blind spots is asking God to search your heart. But if you're taking notes, write this down. The second thing you want to ask God to do is reveal your worries. Reveal my worries. The second part of verse 23, if you read again, David asked God to try him. He says, try me, not the way that we say it today. He says, try me and know my thoughts. This is one of the two places in the Old Testament where the word thoughts is used. And if you're, if you're using the ESV uh, um, or the Black Harback Bible, this year, it's an ESV uh, version what we use. The footnote literally reads, or cares. It says, or cares. But it doesn't really capture the essence of the word. I was looking it up this week. It literally means disquieting thoughts. The NIV, I think, does a good job uh, of translating this. Anxious thoughts or anxieties is another way to put it. So he says, search out my anxieties, my worries, the things, that, the quiet part that I don't say out loud. 
This part that keeps me up at night, the part that keeps me from not doing my job well, the part that keeps my heart racing, the part that took me to the doctor the other week and I was telling him about some stuff, but because of HIPAA, he can't say nothing to nobody else. That one, that part. Those are the parts. So David isn't asking God to reveal the thoughts in general. He's saying, what about the worries? He asked God to try him, to put the test, to prove, prove something being genuine in my life. It, it's, it's, it's used to describe, the trying is used to describe how precious metals were tested by fire to prove their authenticity. Which, by the way, if you ever, there's a song out called, uh, uh, I want to be uh, tried by fire, purified. I, I always, like, we, we sing that song real loud. I don't know if you know that song, but we sing it real loud. And I'm like, does anybody actually, like, listen to the words? I want to be tried by fire, purified. Like, just stop for a second and think about that. Some of y'all might want to stop singing it. Because when God answers it, then we go, oh, what was me? But that's what he's asking for here. He says, try me. God, God purify me. Expose me. Show me. Here, here's why it's important for us to ask God to reveal your fears. Here's why it's important. And I wish I could take credit for it. I, I think it's one of the most important things we could take away from the message today. But what we worry about, what we worry about, listen, what we worry about most reveals what you think about God. What you worry about is where you trust God the least. The place that you worry is the place that you look at God and go, you know, I don't think you can take care of this. For some of us, it's our school, our work, our children, our spouse, our life. Where is it for you? Where you worry is where you trust God the least. So what do you worry about? What makes you anxious? What makes you anxious in your life? That's what David is saying. Hey, here it is. What about, what, what about your health or the health of someone you love? You see, you need to ask God to reveal those things that you worry about deep inside that often you're unaware about, that you find yourself worrying about. Maybe you have a friend or a family member near you that can tell you about the things you worry about. They'll tell you real quick. Again, I have that special uh, gift where I can look at people and go, hey, this is what you do, right? And, And I have people that do that to me, and God bless them. I don't like them. But you need that. And God says, hey, listen, I want to see those in you. Even those anxious, when you're anxious about those things. When you bring them to the surface, that's where you begin to trust God. That's where you begin to trust God. So you can address your worries in a healthy way by giving them over to God and learning to trust Him in those areas. So now that you ask God to address your worries, what else are you asking Him to do? Uh, Number three is this, and this is where it gets fun. You're asking Him to uncover your sins. See, the first part, we can do that. Search me, God. And then we're like, uncover my worries. And this is where people start dropping off the bus real quick, right? Uncover my sins. Nobody likes this part. This, this is where, you know, pastor starts like tap dad and sit on your toes. But here it is. Verse 24. David prays to ask God to uncover. He says, uncover anything in my life that grieves him. He says, God, show me anything in my life that is inconsistent with your purposes, plans, and ways. Show me anything that is displeasing to you, one translation says. How many times do we pray that? You see, we talked about earlier that we all have blind spots, right? That soul tattoo, we all have blind spots. And that particularly comes true when it comes to our sins. Most of us are really good at discerning the sins of others. But frankly, we tend to turn a blind eye to our own. We really do. No wonder Jesus spoke about this warning to the disciples. He says that. I'll put it on the screen. Again, this is Jesus, not me. You can get mad at me if you want, but this is what he says. He says, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You, You ever met somebody like that? 
They are so busy and steady up in your business that you're like, you are doing the same exact thing. Get out my business. And by the way, if you don't know people like that, it's probably you, right? Like that's, that, that, that's just the reality. The reality is, is you probably got the log in your eye and everybody else is ducking it. You see, when you ask God to uncover your sins, it, it, it gets interesting. Because we all have the tendency to excuse our sins in some way. When we gossip, we just kind of go, well, no, no, I'm just communicating what I know to be true. No, it's gossip. Stop it. Right? I, I, just, I just want people to know so they can be praying together. No, no, repent. Right? And we have it. I mean, and by the way, everybody does this. I mean, look at Adam, right? God came to Adam and said, what did you do? He goes, this is this woman you gave me. I'm sorry, what? Bro, <laughs> hey, whoa, did, did you just blame God for giving you a woman? Just a while ago, you were talking about flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. You fine, let's all get out, right? Now you're talking about this is a woman that gave me the kumquat. Like, no, no, that's, you know, and I have people tell me, well, I get angry because that's the way God made me, or, or I'm redhead, or, uh, you know, I'm Irish, or, you know, you know how my people do. And you're like, no, 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 none of those are excuses. Or I become, I, I become defensive. I tell people, that's none of your business. When somebody's calling me out of my sin, oh, or maybe I'll misuse scripture and, and tell them, like, hey, don't judge me lest you be judged. I always love that. You tell somebody their sin, they go, don't judge me. Didn't God tell you not to judge? He told us to judge amongst us believers. We don't have time to delve into that verse in detail, but what I'll say is clear is that Jesus never intended to be used that way. And like I said a bit ago, our hearts are wicked, our hearts are deceitful, and we're often blind to our own sins. That's why we need to pray and ask God to reveal them to us. The fourth way you can ask God to search me, once you get there, is once you've asked him to search you out, right, and reveal your sins and show me your worries, right, he says all those things, then you have to turn to God and put them before him and say, hey, lead me. Lead me, God. The last step is absolutely critical, but unfortunately it's the one that most people ignore. If we get over the sin hump where we go, God, expose my sins, then we have to put them at the feet of God and say, lead me, God. Lead me. And, and, and here's the thing. After God searched David's heart and revealed his word and uncovered his sins, David understands that no matter what he does, unless, unless he actually does something, as a revo- uh, nothing will happen unless he actually does something that is a result of what is revealed by God. What does that mean? That means he prays and asks God to show him of what he just learned. And, and, and it reminds me of what James, which is Jesus' little brother, wrote in James chapter uh, 1, verse 22 through 25. He says this. Again, up on the screen, he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like the man who looks eternally at his natural face in the mirror. But if he looks at himself and goes away once he, uh, at, and at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves being a pure, but uh, who forgets, but a doer of the acts will be blessed in his doing. He, he says, be a doer. Once you've been given something, you've been shown what God wants you to do, then do something about it. God, lead me. Put, put, put me under you, God, and lead me where you would have me to go. Let, let's suppose this morning I, I, get, I get up tomorrow morning, Tomorrow morning, I'm feeling nice. I go work out. I do that. I don't look like it, but I do that. And I get back home. I decide to make a breakfast burrito. 
I like breakfast burritos. If you ever want to bless a brother, give me a breakfast burrito, okay? So I make a breakfast burrito, and I start eating it. I put a little salsa in it, some eggs, maybe a little bacon, you know, the Lord's bacon. You know, you get all that stuff, and I start eating it. Now, a brother's got a beard, okay? And so let's say I'm not paying attention. I'm trying to get the kids out the door. It's the first day of school, and a piece of egg or some salsa gets in my beard. And I go, and I brush my teeth, and I look in the mirror myself, and I go driving through the car line with a piece of egg stuck in my beard, some salsa over here. I have a couple choices here. The logical choice is to get the egg or the salsa out of my beard. Amen? That, that is the logical... Anybody who did not say amen to that or just like was not sure, repent. Like, you want to get the food off your face. If you're walking around with food on your face, we can talk afterwards, right? Or I could just save it for later in case I get hungry. Which is nasty. Right? Like, and, and, I, and I've met people that, that have a little something in their beard. And, and by the way, shame on you if somebody has something on their face and you don't tell them or in their teeth. Like, tell them. People walk around with a whole piece of spinach just hanging out their mouth. You're like, hey, that's cool. Tell them. You know, tell, be discreet. Something. Let them know there's something in their teeth or in their beard. Let them know something. Brush it out for them. Pick it out. I don't care. Help a brother out. Right? But it'd be horrible if I just walked around and it would gross out others. And I guarantee as long as I have the piece of egg or salsa in my beard, my wife is not going to kiss me. I guarantee if I come up and go, hey, baby, give me a kiss. She would like, no. Right? (laughs) As she should. I'm okay with that. But unfortunately, this is how so many of us approach our wicked hearts and our worries and our sins. God reveals them to us and we're fully aware they're there and we do nothing about them. We just leave them there to marinate. And we walk around with egg and salsa in our beards, our proverbial beards, ladies, I'm not giving you beards, right? But we do that and we do nothing about them. And then everybody around us doesn't do anything about them. And here's the thing, if somebody does point it out to you, you get defensive. God knows my heart. Don't touch my beard. Stay away from me. I'm okay. That's just my people. No, 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 that's crazy. No, no, we should be working together to help us uh, to walk forward. If you are looking like a ragamuffin, I want to help you with that. If I look like a ragamuffin, please tell me. Like, let's, let's work together with this for the glory of God. That's what the church is. But so many times and so many people, we just want to go, yeah, well, that's your sin. I'm going to let you deal with that. No, no, we work together on that. So what's my conclusion today? I want to get out of your way quickly. I want to ask, what's my conclusion today? Well, I'm going to say it again. I need, you can say it for yourself, I need to pray search me because I got blind spots. I need to pray search me because I got blind spots. Obviously, I can't list all the possible actions right now that you need to take. I can't. There's a thousand and one plus fifteen. There's so many different ones that you can do when you've prayed search me. But God has revealed all the yuck in our lives. And here are a few that I think are a good place. If you want to write these down, if you're trying to figure out what the next place is, if God has revealed these to you, what are the things you should do? I'll give you four steps you can do this week that will help you move forward. First step is this. Read the Bible. If if you're not familiar with me, I'm not smart enough to do all the extra stuff, so keep it real simple. Read the Bible. Right? Like, you don't need podcasts and pastors. Read, read the Bible. This is God's holy word. He sent it to you. He's written it to you. He's written it for you. Read it. It's crazy how many Christians have one of these or five or 20 of these and have never opened it. Read it. Read God's word. While God can search me by any way he wants, the, most, the, the way he does it the most, especially in my life and I'm thinking yours, is by you reading his word and him revealing himself to you. You want to hear God speak? A lot of times we want to go on and hear Pastor so-and-so and and see this on YouTube and whatever. Read his word. He'll speak to you. 
Read His Word. So you can really can't you really can't genuinely pray search me without also being in His Word consistently. He'll expose Himself to you. He'll expose everything he, you need to know. In fact, every time I open the Bible, it would be appropriate to pray, uh, to pray God, use your word to search me today. J- just use your word to search me today. That, that's what I would say every single time I open God's word. Just read his word. If you don't know where to start, I'm always a big advocate for you starting in the Proverbs and the Psalms. Keep it simple. Work through the numbers. You can do that very easily. It's where I started. I would recommend that for you. Number two, if you are trying to figure out, you're like, Pastor, I read the Bible every day and I still need something else. Great. The second part is confession. You need to confess. Confession is always appropriate. Whenever I become, uh, whenever I become aware of my sin in my life, I obviously need to begin by confessing my sin to God. If I've committed my life to Jesus, I, I can claim this promise. 1 John 1 and 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive you. So many of us believe, and the enemy has half us believe, that our sins have to stay secret, that nobody can ever know because everything's going to come out and it's going to be ugly. This week, this week, this week, I got a text. It was a Thursday afternoon. I got a text that, that blew me away. There was a, a guy that was leading uh, the largest Protestant denomination in the United States of America, the one that we happen to be a part of. And he was up for the top job, which is a president and CEO. And it came out that he falsified his resume. And I mean, horribly falsified his resume in multiple, like, wrote down campuses he didn't even walk on before. And it's national news. I mean, it's the front page of three major newspapers today. It's huge. He was going to be the CEO, most likely, of a multi-million dollar corporation that has churches and missionaries all around the world. And he lied. And he lied for years. And when his sin was exposed, he confessed. Now, naturally, some people that are cynical will be like, well, he only got confessed because he caught. Maybe. Maybe. But he confessed. And he didn't just confess, he explained everything. And he wrote a public letter. And you can go on the internet right now and read it if you want. He confessed all of his sin. God is going to forgive him. We are going to forgive him. Does it hurt? Yes. Does he no longer get to hold the position? Yes. Are his beautiful wife and child devastated? Yes. Does that do a lot of things that messes things up for everybody else? Yes. Was it worth it? Yes. Because he wants right relationship with God more than he wants your accolades. Confession is critical. And John is writing here to those of us that are disciples in Jesus. So it's a universal promise to tell people all that you have done. Now, here's the thing. I, I just want to get this real quick. That person I was talking about was the president, interim president of a very large denomination, largest one in the United States, right? And so he's a public person. And what I've learned is that public people get disciplined publicly. In other words, he lost his job publicly. 
That's what should happen. By the way, this should happen with a lot of politicians, but that's a different subject. Okay, so it happened with him. Praise God. That doesn't mean that you have to go write a letter and put it on the internet. You're a private person. So who have you sinned against? That's who you need to go talk to. That's who you need to confess to. That's where you need to be. uh, be. You don't need to come in front of the church unless we need to get to that level. Heck, I don't even need to know about it. You need to go to that person. Maybe right now you need to pick up your phone and send a text to somebody and say, we need to talk. I need to confess my sin to you. I have been angry with you. I have sinned against you. I have done wrong by you. Will you please forgive me? Maybe that's a conversation you need to have this afternoon. Do not let the sun set on today without getting it right. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Seek Him. The third thing is this. After you've confessed, restoration. Restoration. Sin obviously impacts every relationship with God, but in many cases it also impacts my relationship with others. So my sin impacts another individual or group, then I must also confess to them. I must confess to them. Here's what I mean. Here's what I do. And I, I, when I was in Brazil this year, one of the missionaries said something that was very profound. And it was very simple. I want to give it to you so you can be bothered with the same stuff I'm bothered with too. Here you go. He said, if, if I bump into you by accident, I should say, I'm sorry, right? Now, people nowadays may not say I'm sorry, but if I bump into you by accident, I should say I'm sorry. If I punch you in the face, that is not I'm sorry. That was intentional. I need to repent. And a lot of times we don't have restoration with people because we use the wrong, uh, we, we don't confess to them what we did. We punch them in the face and go, I'm sorry. No, you're not. No, no, you meant to do that. You, you meant to hit me. You need to repent. You see, sin impacts a relationship and that's why we don't have restoration and we must restore. And then this is what James is writing about when he, when he wrote these words in 5 verse 16. He says this, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. For every person that goes, well, God knows about my sins. James told us to confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed. Why? Because he wants a relationship amongst believers to be healed not to be fractured. The key here is the limit of confession to those that have been impacted. And so again, going back to the example I used earlier, the public individual has affected millions of people. He had to publicly confess. But for you, it may just be your mama, your daddy, your uncle, your, your, your brother, your sister, something like that. If I stole money from the church, I need to confess to the church. I did not. If, if, I, uh, if, if I hurt my kids, I need to confess to my child. Last thing is this, and then I'll, I'll take my seat, is this, accountability. I often, I need somebody to hold me accountable. I need somebody to hold me accountable, I think you do too. If you're struggling with some kind of sin, you need somebody that can, that, that, that can keep you accountable and walk alongside you. That can look at you in the eye and ask you the hard question. If you're struggling with something, you need people to walk with you. A lot of people think as they grow in a relationship with Jesus, they have less and less need for it. But here's the thing I've understood about my relationship with Jesus. The, the more I grow in my relationship with Christ, the more clearly I'm able to see my sin. And the more clear I'm able to see my sin, the more I know that I need accountability for those places. I need individuals that are willing to walk alongside me, to, upload, uh, to, to walk with me, to uphold me, and to call me out. And we begin confessing and understanding things that we would not have considered to be sin years and years ago. You, you realize that these things have grieved God. 
And so I, I just want to land the plane here and ask you this. Are you willing to ask God to search you? Before tomorrow, before you walk into the school year for some of you, before you walk back into the workplace for those of us that are starting something special tomorrow, before we go back to whatever we have to do, are you willing to ask God, search me, search me and expose me? Listen, I'll rightfully say it's it's a dangerous prayer. It's not for everybody. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the rookie. And some of you guys are, well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I understand. But I commend it to you. Ask God to search you, expose you, use you. And you will find joy in the midst of everything he does, though it's painful right now. That uh, person I was talking about, he, I, I actually got a chance to talk to him just a little bit. And... The phone call was more of him crying and confessing. And uh, it's hard. But I told him the same thing that was said online from a lot of people. Brother, we forgive you. We love you. We want the best for you. But we want you to walk in truth. And I told him. I had a moment like that. I was young in my faith. I had built up my life with lies all around me. I had lied to people on multiple fronts. My my wife and I were about to get married. We actually wouldn't be married if this didn't get exposed. I had so many lies around me, and I'd lived my life in such a a way that everybody believed certain things about me, and, and I got exposed, and I praised God for it. And I had to confess now, I wasn't a public man. I had to confess to those I had hurt. Those in our ministry, those friends around me. I lost some friends over it, and rightfully so. I lost position over it, and rightfully so. But I can tell you now, two decades later, I'm a better man, I'm a better Christian, father, and husband, because that happened. And without that, I would not be here today. Ask God to search you and expose you so that you will be made more perfect in him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you will expose us. That in searching us, you see all our inmost parts and you show us who we are. Father, I know right now, I I know right now that you're going to begin doing that in each and every one of us because you love us. And for some of us, It may be painful, but it's worth it. God, I just ask right now, right now, that you help us to see that all you do is for your glory and for our good. Help us to be a place that reflects you. Help us to be a people that are more like you, that are healed and restored together. And though we are asking a hard prayer, like King David, we know that you will do great things. So Jesus, thank you so much that you're going to do it in advance. We trust you. We love you. We follow you and honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the audio of Soma Community Church located in Jefferson City. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for the content or alter it in any way without express written permission. For more information about Soma, please visit us at www.somajc.org.